Welcome to One Tired Teacher, episode 47, How to Handle Behavior Issues in the Classroom. Today, oh, we have a really excellent expert that is here to talk to us about handling various behaviors in the classroom, and she is going to give us a really incredible perspective. She is an ESC resource teacher who just actually started at a brand new school. She helped with this opening of this brand new school, and she as one of the teachers that got, had a chance to come over to the school. I used to work together. Her name is Nicole Moss. I don't even think I've said that yet. So Nicole Moss, and she we worked together for a long time at my old school, and she is phenomenal. And she was um, she was hired at this new school that's literally right behind my house. I think I've talked about it. So it, that's the school I'm talking about. It is an incredible place to be. It's an incredible place to teach. And she is one of the founding teachers of this new elementary school and it's really exciting and she really is just like it's like an encyclopedia of information on behaviors and on kids with all kinds of of circumstances and she has just an an amazing way of looking at it and she's she's really an incredible resource I'm excited to bring her to you today she's a repeat guest she was on the show on episode three the tired of ESE so I'm happy to have her back almost a year later so get ready because you're gonna learn so much from her I hope you stick around Welcome to One Tired Teacher. And even though she may need a nap, this teacher is ready to wake up and speak her truth about the trials and treasures of teaching. Here she is, wide awake. Wait, she's not asleep right now, is she? She, she is awake, right? Okay. From Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, your host, Trina Debery. So here we go. We're getting ready to hear from Nicole Moss. ESC resource teacher, just a, a incredible person. I adore her. I know I'm a little bit biased. We've been friends for a long time. I had her daughter in second grade. She's like somebody very special in my life. But that doesn't change the fact that I admire her and respect her and think that she's she's truly amazing. So I'm excited about that. I do want to tell you the audio is a little echoey, and I'm sorry about that. We recorded together in the same room and like sharing a mic between two people sometimes can be kind of difficult. So I hope you can forgive the the, uh, the quality of the audio. It's a little bit off, but hopefully you get the value that I know is there. Let's get started. So I'm so happy to have my very good friend and um, expert ESE teacher, Nicole Moss, back on the show. She was on in the very beginning, like I think it was episode two. And she's really just unbelievable. And as I have jumped back into education, I realize even more how amazing you are. Thank you. I mean, I'm serious. It's I like. There's so many times during the day that I'm like, I gotta, I gotta talk to Nicole. I gotta talk to Nicole. Gosh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it without you. Aww, thank you. That's very nice. Well, it's very true. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is something I'm passionate about, so it'll be easier for me to talk. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's good. Yeah, we're going to talk about behavior and building rapport and cluster management types of things because I have, to, as I've told you, I am the student support specialist and I feel like I might be dying. 
<laughs> for real. Like, it, I am, like, nonstop called. Like, I, I'm literally, I sit down. They call me again. I go, I, I go, I deal with it. I come back. I sit down. I, they call me again. It's like that all day long. Yeah. Today, I got, I ate with a kid just because I was, I kept him in the office longer than he should have been. Um... Because I was so happy to eat. Right. And that you just needed yeah. a, a break. And he that. wanted the lights turned really dim in the oh, office. Yeah. And he yeah. wanted to shut my blinds. And he wanted, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yes. He knew he was on sensory overload probably. Yes. And that's why he wanted those things. So, and he doesn't, like, he doesn't know that actually about himself yet. Mm-hmm. But um, he will. When so. he senses, I mean, you know, when yes. someone's asking you to turn the lights down or want the blinds closed, they may not be able to articulate the fact that they need quiet or darkness, but that's where they're going with it. Yeah. So. I think that's really good, too. I mean, I, like, those are some things that I think I know, like, instinctively, but, like, you just saying that out loud, I'm like, I knew it at the time that he needed it, and so did I, but, um, but that's something that I want to work on with them understanding that about themselves, too. Yes, and really, the, his teachers should be building that in him also within the classroom mm-hmm. and and giving him ways to learn that if he can control some of those outside factors like if it's too bright or if it's too loud then it'll it'll stop some of those negative behaviors but that has to that has to be fostered in the classroom absolutely so how would you what would be some things that you would say to a teacher to help foster that because let me back up for a second i have i have i have someone that i i actually another student that i think has some sensory issues mm-hmm. And the teacher was like, that's just an excuse. And I um, I really don't feel like it's just an excuse. I really feel like, first of all, does it, how many children do you really think it, this impacts? Oh, tons. Yeah. Tons of children. And, I'm not, and when I say that, I don't mean that they necessarily have some sort of special diagnosis that's mm-hmm. going to say that they have a sensory processing disorder or anything like that. But kids are affected by their environment just... On a regular basis, I think, I don't know, I, I mean, I would have to say more than 50%. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. More I than said 50%. That too. And the, they don't, I don't know why. I don't know why things like light and sound and extraneous movement or even things like the way a space is set up mm-hmm. affects kids so much now. But mm-hmm. it does. It really does. And so what I would say to a teacher it's, it's hard because you don't, in order to kind of prove that a kid has those mm-hmm. issues, um, well, first of all, it sounds like that particular student m- might be having failures right now in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I think what I would say to a teacher is you need to set your classroom up with a space to show these kids how having things like fidget toys Mm -hmm. or beanbag chairs or um, stress balls, how those things really can be used as tools Mm -hmm. and not toys. Because in my classroom with my resource kids, that's the very first conversation I have with them Mm -hmm. is we have this great basket of stuff, but this stuff isn't for us to play with. We use them to help us learn or to help us calm down, but it's a teaching moment. Mm -hmm. You can't just throw a space together and say a kid's going to use a sensory area because they're not. They're not going to know how. So that would be a a starting point, I think, for teachers is to have a space in your room, even if it's just a carpet with a basket of, you know, 
like in my room, I created my own glitter bottles. You see this stuff all over Pinterest. You can create your own, you know, uh, sensory toys and sorry, I don't mean toys. I said that wrong. Sensory tools. <laughs> um, so you don't need a, you don't need this huge fancy area, but uh-huh. you need a designated area. Yes. And then you need to teach the kids how to use it. Why and when we role play. I do this with my kindergartners and I do it with my fifth graders. And Truthfully, this is the first year because, you know, as listeners don't know, but mm-hmm. I have moved to, to open this new elementary school this year. That's the one that's right behind my house that I talk about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I am blessed to have an actual huge classroom. Um, in my past teaching, you know, the last 13 years at the school that I taught at, I didn't have a space that was functional to have an actual sensory area. Mm-hmm. Um, I do now. And so, and my first week of school, excuse me, with students was working on what is this great cool area. Um, And I have visuals on the wall that talks about, you know, deep breathing. It's called triangle breathing. We talk about that. Mm. But this is all stuff. This is, this is stuff that has to be taught. And then once it's taught and modeled, then you encourage it it to be used appropriately. And there are different ways to do that also, because you are going to have some kids that have a really hard time figuring out that that is something that would help them. Okay. So, so that makes sense. So you actually, because I have a cool down spot, like I actually have a kit that I have on TPT and when I talk about that in the directions, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just I know that some people are trying those, not mine particularly, but I mean, they, they, they are, there's a designated area but I don't know if they have actually taught them how to use it. And probably, I would I would feel like that would be a common mistake that teachers would make, mm-hmm. um, is to, to miss that teaching piece of it. Okay. And also a key, something to remember is that the goal is to, to get kids to use that space before they become out of control or explosive. Mm-hmm. The space I'm talking about isn't a space where you send a kid after they've already you Lost know, had it. a tantrum yes. and then you say, you need to go to the cool down corner. Uh-huh. That's not the kind of space I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I'm talking about a space that's used to prevent those kinds of behaviors. Um, and so it's very different. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we hear things used interchangeably, cool down area, quiet corner, you know, we hear all those, mm-hmm. but, um, but for my purposes in the classroom, it's, it's, a way to stop that sort of behavior from happening. From happening, yes. And so it, it's like proactive. It is. It it sh- it Which should be. Is a lot of what um, classroom management should be. Absolutely. So, um, and I want to talk about that too. So I don't want to forget that. But um, you said just said something. Okay. So what if what if they the like what if a teacher doesn't know what to do once a student has broken down? Like they haven't. It hasn't. The proactive piece of it hasn't happened. It, yes, hasn't happened and they've broken down and they're under their table or they're under, you know, under desks or they, or even to the point where they're throwing furniture. Right. So like, how do you respond to that? Well, step one is no conversation is going to be impactful with a student when they, when they're in that state. So as a teacher, my very first instinct is to Make sure that the child is going to be safe, obviously, and know that any conversation that I have with him or her right now, it's it's not 
it's not going in and staying in. Mm -hmm. Because the state, if a kid is throwing furniture or if they're under a desk and, you know, ripping up papers, they're not in a, in a state where they're going to take in any information and, and, and be receptive to that. Mm-hmm. So step one is to calm the situation. Okay. And whether that means I clear the room of the rest of the students and I sit on the floor, um, you know, a few yards away mm-hmm. and I sit yes. <laughs> and I say things you know, every so many minutes, like, when you're ready, we can talk. Or when you're ready, we'll move. But there's absolutely nothing going to happen in that moment verbally with a kid that's going to make a difference. So I totally agree with that. And I, um, I have found when I've had situations already where the um, child has like, totally broken down, and I've known that, I, that it's pointless to have a conversation with them, but they, but the teacher wants them out, right? Like get them out of here. Basically. Are you going to allow this behavior to continue? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I've had to respond, like, this is not the protocol and I'm like following that and I'm wait, I'm giving him a second. Like he's not throw now he's not throwing things. He's just, he's literally just standing there. Right. So, um, like, how do you, how do you, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, are you speaking, are you talking specifically about how when a teacher wants a kiddo just out of the room? Well, because no, they, behavior, they've actually or? like dumped things and thrown okay. things and were throwing okay. stools. Yes. So, I mean, in <laughs> it's hard because there are so many things I think probably that I do automatically mm-hmm. um, just because I've been doing it for so long. But in that specific instance... Let's take a scenario of maybe a second or third grade student, and they're in a classroom, and they've just dumped over a desk and ripped up a hundred, you know, a mm-hmm. hundred different papers or three crayons all over the place. Okay, great. So step one is not to stand over them and say, "You need to pick up this desk. We're going to clean up these crayons." No, that that's not step one. Mm-hmm. Step one is get them to a get them to a calmer state. Mm-hmm. Don't touch the mess they made because they're going to come back and clean it up. Uh-huh. That's going to be part of the follow-up for the, yeah. the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if a teacher is concerned about accountability, in other words, we want to make sure this kid is accountable uh-huh. for his behavior. Uh-huh. Because that's often the, the feeling yes. that teachers uh-huh. have. And it's valid, and I get that. Um, then that should help with that. Mm-hmm. So you look at the teacher as somebody coming into a situation where a kid is having that behavior uh-huh. and I'm the one that needs to take him out, I look at the teacher and say, just leave that right there where it is. And, you know, Johnny and I are going to head out the door and we'll be back to deal with that later. Uh-huh. And then I take Johnny and I get him calm. Perhaps I do, depending on the level of the kiddo, um, maybe some role play with how we could have done things differently. Um, in terms of, okay, I'm really angry. I'm, I'm going to act, Johnny. I'm going to show you what I do when I'm, when I'm really angry. And, you know, just kind of role play is huge, especially with younger kids. Yes, this, and this was actually um, a kindergartner. Oh, so yeah, then yeah. absolutely. No, the, a role play, I don't know why for some reason that's not an instant one that comes to my mind. And so I, that definitely needs to be. Right. So, and okay. then I would role play different scenarios, um, different responses. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then... Most definitely, when Johnny's calm and he and I have worked through, okay, why did this happen? And, and you know, with different kids, 
at different levels, whether it be cognitive level or grade level, you're going to kind of get a sense for how much they are able to understand mm -hmm. and how much you're going to be able to kind of talk them through it. I think you, you have to have a sense about that. Mm -hmm. But then follow up. Okay, Johnny's calm. He's been with me. All right. So now we're going to go back and we're going to clean up the mess that you made. And what do you think would be a good way to tell your teacher that you feel bad about doing this? You know, what could we say to her when we go in the room? Mm -hmm. It's all about, it's, it's all about rapport and trust with kids. Mm -hmm. And if they're going back, if they're going to, if you're going to take them back into a classroom where they're going to be met with, you should be ashamed that you yes. did this, or I can't believe that you acted like that. It's not going to solve the problem. Yeah. But if they could be met with, well, thank you. I appreciate the fact that you're coming back to clean up this mess that you made. Tell me what you, you know, what can I do next time to help you mm -hmm. before it gets to this? So, you know, and I don't, it's, it has to be so individualized. No, but, you're right. It does. Because I think that in that case, that would have actually helped um, but it would also have helped. I could have done, like, I could have done a, a definitely a better job of role playing with the student. I mean, I did make him follow up. It was a follow. There was a follow up, but, and that's um, important. Follow up. But I'll tell and you, he cleaned it up. Like he, yeah, yeah he and, did it. And and I'll tell you, to be honest, going back to the role playing part, I'm not. I mean, I've been a teacher for a really long time. I still hate role playing. Mm -hmm. It's just not my thing. I don't like it, but I do it because it's very effective. And nine times out of ten. I can do something in a role play that's going to make a kid laugh mm -hmm. or make them go, I didn't do that. I didn't act like that. Uh -huh. it, it brings something out in them uh -huh. that allows them to be a little bit more reflective yes. about what just, about what happened. Because they don't feel so much guilt and shame. Yes, probably. It. They see it as a, like a... That's a good point. Because, because I didn't do an actual, like with my body, but I did with the, with one of the students that I was talking to Nicole about off the air, but, um, <laughs> I had, I have pigeon and duck from, you know, Mill Willems pigeon and duck. Right. So we had them and he's like, let's pretend. So uh, we pretended the yes. scenario. Yep. That's and, perfect. um, and so then he was able to practice like some things that he would do instead, but mm -hmm. he talked about it with that. He wouldn't talk about it no. without, without those two stuffed animals. Well, he's protecting himself somehow yes. in okay. some way, whether he was, um, you know, embarrassed mm -hmm. or whether he was unsure, somehow those two stuffed animals allowed mm -hmm. him to work through it, which why not? Yes. I mean, why not use something like that? But honestly, in behavior, it was an accident though. I didn't, well, I don't think I did it in a smart way. I don't mean to say that because, um, <laughs> I definitely didn't do it like on purpose. Like lot, it just ended up working out that yep. way. And, and a I lot would... of the best behavior stuff does happen on accident Okay, because <laughs> you, you don't know what direction the kid is going to take uh -huh. it ultimately. So that talk about needing to be on your toes. I mean, you've yes. got to be ready, absolutely, and for it to go in any direction. So it's 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 big. But I will probably say it another twenty times before I'm done talking tonight. But building rapport and having some sort of relationship is absolutely you have to have it. I totally, that's what I want to talk about because that is, I totally agree. Because I, I think you don't have a, a chance. You don't. I've you got don't. kids. <clears throat> I've got currently right now, a little boy who's in first grade who I worked with all through kindergarten. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and he, if I didn't have a rapport with him, if I didn't know that he loves soccer, uh -huh. and if I didn't know that his very favorite snack is animal crackers, uh -huh. when he's calling me every name in the book, uh -huh. throwing chairs and pencils at me, I would have no hope of bringing him back from that because yeah. he doesn't, the reason, and, and this is another thing, and I, I'm straying kind of, but talking about that building relationships and building rapport, you got to know the reason behind the kid's behavior. They don't do it just because they're bad kids. Yeah. Or they want to irritate you. They don't. Yeah. I mean, okay, there might be a few, you know, cases out there where the kid is just being rotten. Yes, yes that happens. Uh -huh. But when we're talking about kids like the kid you were working with mm -hmm. and the, the kiddos that I work with who have these behaviors frequently, mm -hmm. they're happening for a reason. And my job is to try to figure out why. Yeah, why. Absolutely. And when I can figure out why it's happening, then I can try to, to modify it or, or change it or at the very least be somebody that they don't see as a, a risk, mm -hmm. that they trust me. Um, I mean, I don't know. I can't say enough about that. And if you can't see past a kid's bad behavior mm -hmm. in that 20-minute period or even five-day-a-week period, if you can't see past that, you're not going to win with no, the kid. No, you're right. It's a constant battle, and you lose every single time. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing that I feel like, because I had someone say to me today, well, this didn't work before because they were not, they weren't firm enough. They weren't, um, they didn't, it wasn't like a, like a, an aggressive or enough system or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, you're, I'm not going to, I won't be that either though, because I'm, that's not my personality. Right. It's not your style. Yeah. Not no, your personality. my personality is to build relationships with the child and to figure out why and to build rapport and to help with proactive strategies. But I'm not, my strength is definitely not in the, okay, you shouldn't do that kind of right. mentality. The firm behavior. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because in my mind, you can achieve the same goal with with changing a child's behavior. Mm -hmm. You can achieve the same goal whether you're soft-spoken mm -hmm. or whether you are, you know, the, the more firm. Now, I'm never going to say yelling at a kid and, you know, yes wiggling your finger in their face, that's mm -hmm. never going to be effective. But you don't have to be that assertive, strong person to, to change a kid's behavior. Okay. I think that it, it all lies in what you know about the kid and what you know they're going to respond to. I know that my kiddo in first grade, mm -hmm. I can look at him and I can tell you we are past the point of discussion. It is time to get out of the room and get to a safe place. But I spent yeah, you, time, yeah, time trying to figure that out. that out. So teachers can't expect, you know, to have that instant connection with kids. No, you're right. Um, and it's only the um, second week of school. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the, the, yes, I wouldn't know that. And, and it's a perfect example because his teacher now is brand new to him because mm -hmm. we're at this new school. He actually moved uh -huh. schools uh -huh. from where I was to where I am now. Um, and I purposely did not give her uh -huh. 
every gory yeah. detail of you know every confrontation that we've ever had because we we build up this image of exactly. them and that's it's, it's we give them an unfair start right and it is for her to 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 determine the relationship with him and she's doing that and she's doing beautifully and and it she didn't need to know that I got a black eye from him last yeah. year. I mean, oh, you know, it's <laughs> yes. But it, it that that's what I mean, though. It, you've got to you've got to take the time. It's as important as any curriculum that you are going to teach is as important as reading or math or science or social studies. Relationships with kids, teaching them about how to manage themselves um, and how to interact with people. It doesn't happen very often anymore. No, I don't feel like it does either. And I feel like we don't have reminders and and professional development around this. We don't. We do at my school. (laughs) Or we're going to. um, Because... What's the first thing you're starting with? Well, the most... The thing that was impactful to hear when my administration, my principal, my assistant principal stood up, you know, in front of this brand new faculty and staff and said, um, you know, our motto is family, memories, and passion. We're going to teach kids that when you walk down the hall and someone says hello to you, you make eye contact with them. If someone puts their hand out, we're going to show you how to shake it. Those are not things that happen. I have goosebumps. No, yeah, I know. I Those are that. not things that happen anymore. Um, so to answer your question of where we're starting, that's where we're starting. Okay. We're starting with... That's a proactive response, but it's a brand new, fresh start. Yes. So, it's a, so it makes complete sense. It does. It does. And and I, I do feel like that, I, I honestly feel like that is not a weakness. Like the kids are very, they do have, so I, that must have happened That's at some point. built into them yes, already. Because they are already, like they look up, they say hello, and they, I haven't shaken anyone's, or shaken anyone's hand, but I haven't put my hand out to shake. Right. So, um, which I guess I could. I mean, I, I, I should. I'll tell you, it's interesting because that's not something I automatically did. Uh-huh. And now I find myself thinking, oh. I just passed that kid and I didn't stick my hand out. Yeah. I mean, because it's an expectation. I mean, I'd end up touching them somehow. Like I touch their, their head, head a lot. Right. I am such a head toucher for some reason. Yeah, that's funny. But they, but every one of them has responded really well to that. Right. But I need to shake their hand. I didn't, I kind of forget about that. So at a school, if you're walking into a school that's already established and, you know, my situation is very different. You're mm-hmm. right. Because it's brand new and we can start all these things from the ground up. But I think... At schools that that are you know established and it's the same administration, I don't know necessarily that that has to mean that you can't start these yes. things. Okay. And if that just means that only a few classrooms are starting mm-hmm. these things, or a few of your um, people that are really struggling with behavior in their classrooms, start there. Okay, I've gone to I, I started reading. To kindergarten because that was actually the grade level that was having the most trouble last week uh-huh. and so I'm like can I come in and so they can meet me in a different light so right. it's not in the I'm responding yes right so I, I went I taught them the quiet signal and I taught I taught, gave them two different ones or whatever mm-hmm. and they and I read them a story and I introduced myself or whatever they were so adorable they're so stinky and cute. what you just said about them seeing you in a different light that's building rapport mm-hmm. You don't want them to see you as the woman that's going to come in and drag them out of the classroom because they've been misbehaving. Mm -hmm. Are you going to hold them accountable and help them change their behaviors? Yes, but they also need to see that you're there 
to, to teach them other things too. So what you just said is the same thing. It's built, it's building rapport with kids. Yeah, goes back I, to I, yeah, I think it's really important because then, I mean, even when I had to correct someone in the cafeteria after I had read their, they're like, I know you. And they responded. Right. So it wasn't, it didn't become a big deal. All right, right. So I know that you don't have a lot of time, but there's one thing that I definitely want to know. Okay. So building, building the um, interest survey, talk about yes. that. And I also want to talk about when kids, they don't when they won't follow directions like what like at all like okay. I want to talk about that too because okay. I I need that help. So um, the interest survey talk about that first. Yes, yeah. I start I do interest inventories with kiddos that have regular behavior difficulties. Kids that I know that are going to always be the ones that I'm seeing because they're misbehaving. Okay. So my step my first step is. I have just a list of questions, mm -hmm. and they're everywhere. You can Google interest inventory and find a hundred different things. I just created my own because I was kind of guiding what I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. I don't care what their favorite video game is. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's great, but that doesn't help me. Uh -huh. I'm looking for things that are going to help me in a school environment mm -hmm. that don't cost a lot of money, that aren't necessarily, no, I'm not advocating for handing a kid a candy bar, mm -hmm. um, but things that are going to mean something to the kid. Yes. Because I can throw stuff to reward a kid all day long, but if, if it doesn't mean anything, then it's not going to do me any good. Yeah. So interest inventory, find out who they like on your campus. Who's somebody that they would love to spend 10 minutes with? Um, in the morning, just chatting, who's somebody that, you know, they would love to have lunch with. Yeah. I mean, those are things they're free and they're meaningful. So I do the interest inventory and then I use those things to build my, my system, my behavior management system. Um, would you describe that? <clears throat> well, and I, had I rudely a lot. did not offer you water when you came. I'm so sorry. I'm so no. sorry. That's okay. I've been talking all day, and now it seems like it's catching up with me. Um, my behavior management system. Now, for me, I'm a, a varying exceptionalities resource teacher. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have groups of kids from grades kinder to fifth that rotate in and out my room all day long. Um, so my system is mine. It's something that I use to get the best out of the kids when they're with me. Um, it happens to be a token system. Um, this year, it's sea creatures because we are, um, our mascot is the sharks. Mm -hmm. So our kind of theme is sea creatures. So each of my kids has a cup, literally a cup with their name on it. It's in one of those dollar store um, shoe organizers that you can <laughs> find. They all have a cup. And I have a bucket of charms. They're, I, I bought them. Um, I don't even remember where I bought them. But it's a, it's a clear bucket of charms, and they're all C-theme related. Um, my kids, on day one, when I started meeting with my resource groups, each one of them, we sat down and we talked about what does it look like? What do we need to do to earn, at the end of our time together, a C-charm? Mm -hmm. What do we need to do? What does it look like? And I did an anchor chart with each one of my groups and literally put their words down on the paper. Yeah. When you come into my room, what, what, what is it going to look like? Are you going to, you know, be prepared with your pencil, what, whatever it is, uh -huh. but their expectations are written. They're mm -hmm. written and there's visuals for my little ones. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
at the end of our 45-minute session, I say to the kiddo, did you earn your C-charm today? Did you think you earned your, you know, bead or your popsicle stick or uh -huh. your ticket or whatever it is? And then we can have some honest conversation. Because, yeah, there are some six-year-olds that will look at me and say, yes, I should get my C-charm when I just told Johnny to sit down 25 times in a five-minute period. Uh -huh. So that opens up the door for me to say, hmm, wait a minute, look at the chart. It says that you are supposed to have your eyes on the teacher when they're talking. Remember a minute ago? So that's the yeah. perfect opening yeah. for that kind of conversation. So anyway, they get these charms, and um, we also agreed together on things that they would like to cash in those charms for. So it's a token economy, uh -huh. essentially. Um, the beauty of that, for me, is it's very easily managed. Mm -hmm. um, it's quick, and it's, it's what the kids are excited about. Yes. It's things like, uh, well, I can tell you what's on my list. Work with your shoes off. Mm -hmm. Use a red pen. Yeah. Ten minutes of iPad time. I mean, it's nothing that I went out and bought. Yeah. Yes, I do have treasure box on there because that's something uh -huh. kids get excited about. But um, breakfast with me. I mean, yeah. you know, they have to save. This, this system also uh -huh. lets me teach my older kids mm -hmm. the value of hanging on to something mm -hmm. and not needing an immediate reinforcement. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Because if five charms get you ten minutes of iPad time... But 20 charms gets you donuts with Mrs. Moss in the morning. Mm -hmm. I want to teach them, you can hang on to that. You have the power to earn this, you know, what they consider some big giant reward uh -huh. by just hanging on, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. And so, I don't know. So what happens when they, um, so you've already set these proactive things, so you probably don't have as often um, a situation where they don't, like they don't follow through or they Doesn't don't respond. Do. So what do you do in that case? In that case, it's it, I just do something different. I know that sounds easy. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, I know it sounds like it's just a quick response, but literally that's my automatic response. If this isn't working for mm -hmm. a kid, you try something else. Then I try something else. Mm -hmm. I can't. And, and another thing to think about is if it worked for a kid for two weeks uh -huh. and it stops working, then it's time to try something else. Okay. So, so what would you go to next? What I would probably go to next, because that's such a, um, uh, it requires the kids to wait a 45-minute period before they're getting, you know, a tangible reward. Uh -huh. You have to keep in mind, though, embedded throughout that 45-minute period, or even embedded throughout a six-hour school day, it can't just be what you're going to get at 245. Yes. There has to be yeah. reminders of, well, okay, what are you working for? Mm -hmm. If you do this, then you get that. Mm -hmm. And and so to whittle it down to what else would I do, it's kind of hard because it really depends on what, what the kid needs and why the behavior is happening. Okay. If they are not doing an assignment mm -hmm. day after day after day, mm -hmm. And they're refusing to to complete anything that you give them. Why is it? Is it too hard for them? Is it too much for them? Are they looking at a work page that's got 25 problems on it? And you have shut them down before they've even picked up a pencil. Because in their mind, 25 problems too much. Is, is an eternity. Yeah. So you've got to figure out. Again, going back yes, to what's to why. Why. why is it happening? Why is it happening? And are you always going to be able to figure that out? No. But can you figure it out enough 
to help yourself and help the kid, I believe you can. Okay. I believe you can. So I would use things like you got to, you have to use visuals for kids that are young or kids that have disabilities, even if they can read Mm -hmm. visuals are impactful, especially if you can make it meaningful and relevant to them. So if you've got a kid who is repeatedly not able to sit in their own individual space Uh while you're instructing, Mm -hmm. they are rolling around on the floor or they are, you know, climbing under tables. Well, two things I would immediately do is I would visually define the space I want them to stay in by using something on the floor, carpet square, tape, circles, anything. Define their space. Give them a rocking chair. Some kids need to move. Yeah. If they're spinning on their head while you're teaching, it probably isn't to make you mad. Yeah. It's and they have they have those wobble stools too. Yes, but they don't. Perfect. But, uh, some people don't like the teachers don't like them. Well, it can be distracting to other kids, so okay. you've got to kind of strategically place the kiddo. But so visually, I would um, visually identify their space okay. for them. Make sure they understand that this is where their body needs to stay. I would take a picture of them looking exactly how I want them to look. So I sit little Johnny on the carpet and he does his very best crisscross applesauce and I take a picture (laughs) of it. And then when he's spinning on his head, I tap him and I show him that picture. Mm. And he he magically, maybe it's only for five seconds, but he gets back into that position. Uh So visuals, um, reminders. What are you working for? What did you decide? If you've got a kiddo who is not completing assignments and you put the page down in front of them and they crumple up and they say automatically, I can't do it. Well, is it because they feel like it's too hard? Even if they perceive it to be too hard, it doesn't matter if it really is or not. It's their perception. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of see how we can fix that. Sometimes that means giving them a, a task that you would consider would be just far too easy for them, far too below their level. Well, work backwards, give it to them, and then celebrate like crazy mm-hmm. when they complete it okay. and move on. That makes so, Yeah, no, that's great. It, I, I think that's so helpful because then you're building their confidence. Yes. And then you're c- continuing to go from there. Yeah, because you're, sometimes I think it's hard to, to like realize that the perception like, we, we don't look at that. We're like, oh, no, he can do that. Right. We know he can do that. Right. But if he perceives it as being too difficult, mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we think. We could tell a kid all day long, you're capable of this. You can do this. If in their mind they think they can't, what, how are you, what, you can't crawl in their head and change no, that. Right. So you've got to figure out a way to, to, um, to make them feel better about themselves, make them feel successful. If that means that, you know, they add single digit numbers, then so be it. You slap a sticker on there and do a dance. And then maybe in a week you can give them, you know, double digit. I don't know. I mean, the gist of it is what you said. No, you build their confidence. You have to take something that is non-existent or that's been extinguished somewhere and kind of rebuild it for those kids that are task avoiders or resistant to, um, you know, completing things, consider not giving them an entire assignment, you know, consider cutting it in half, Mm -hmm. literally cutting it in half, take the paper, cut it in half. Guess what? This is what I want you to do. And what are you going to earn when you complete it? Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to earn 
a sticker or five minutes to, you know, talk with me at the end of the day. I, I don't know. But it literally has to be, especially for your intense behavior kids, mm-hmm. you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to change. Because it's not, it doesn't have to look like everybody else in no. your classroom. No, it's I not. Think, I think that's the problem sometimes. Yes. I think people think, well, this, this behavior is telling the rest of the class they can act like this. Yes. So what do you say to that? You are absolutely, that is a comment that I cannot tell you how many times I have heard from teachers. And I don't know if you've ever, if any of the people out there listening have ever seen, there's a little cartoon of um, three people standing on stools. Mm -hmm. And it basically, that's what I say to them. I am doing something to level the playing field for this kid. I'm not giving them special treatment. I'm not giving them anything extraordinary. I'm giving them what they need. Mm -hmm. And if I had a diabetic... I would give them insulin if they needed it. If I have a kid that's got a behavior disability or has, forget about that, maybe they don't even have a behavior disability, but they've got a really crappy home life, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to figure out a way to make it better for that kid. I'm not giving them anything outrageous. No, you're leveling it. That makes sense. I think that that visual is really helpful. It is. I love it. And Mm -hmm. they're standing on stools, and it's like, are you going to let this four foot two person stand at a fence and not be able to see over it just because you don't want to give them a stool to stand yeah, on? Yeah, because it might tell everybody else that you're going to have to give them a stool right. when it they does, don't it, need a stool. It doesn't. And also, there's nothing wrong with having conversations with kids in your classroom. Mm-hmm. And I've had this situation this, this year. I have a, a kiddo in the general education setting who has significant needs. Mm-hmm. And I have to do things for this child that look different from all the others. And it was necessary for me and for that kiddo's teacher to talk to the kids and say, we are all different. Mm -hmm. We all have things that we need to help us be better. And in this case, a Skittle is what helps this situation be better. So I'm, they, and why not be open with the rest of the kids? Yes. And why not give them that lesson? Yes. In different and in, in being different is okay and needing different things is okay. And and they can yeah, help. Yeah, now we can actually celebrate that we instead can. of acting like it's um, such a bad thing. Kids will step up. Yes. Your kids in your class, your other kids, your little mamas that you yes. have in there, uh-huh. they're going to step up they're and they're going to help. Gonna help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's not going to be such a big deal. So yeah, it's just, it all boils down to knowing, trying to know your kids as much as you can. And like I said, it's, it's helped me win in a lot of situations just by knowing <clears throat> that, you know, sometimes dinner time is, is rough for a kiddo. So that yeah. next morning is going to be rough. I mean, it's just things like that it goes a long way. No, you're right. That does, that actually makes a huge difference because then you can, proactively respond you can be there when they get there and happy to see them and yeah and I tell my parents too I mean and yes I work with you know a special needs population but if I'm also general education certified teacher Mm -hmm. and if I walked into a general education classroom I would say this same thing to my parents if you have you know your cat dies Uh or you know (laughs) grandma has moved in all of a sudden Uh tell me Send me an email and tell me this because 
oh, I wonder why little Johnny has been ripping up his papers. You know, well, Grandma moved in, and he was moved out of his bedroom. You know, something yes, like that. No, it, it, no, it's finding out the why again. Sometimes you have we to. don't know. I just, I just spoke to a friend that's mutual, and I know we have to stop. A friend that was mutual, and she, excuse me, was frustrated about something that happened in the classroom, and then she found out, like, a reason like (laughs) this poor kid had I don't even know what it is I can't even remember now and she was like she felt so bad she's like sending me the cry face emoji and I'm like don't beat yourself up like you didn't know yes yes sometimes we don't know sometimes we don't realize that mom's at home with cancer because they don't tell us absolutely so sometimes that is you know there's, there's things we don't know but that's why we that's the thing that makes it so hard though when you like overload classes yes because then you're like you you feel like you can't get to to know them in that way, but there there's ah. class building, team building things right. that we have to do, and it actually you have helps to. so much. You have to, and I again I can't speak from the standpoint of walking into a classroom filled with 23 little faces every mm-hmm. morning, um, but I can in some ways because I you know I push into classrooms and yes. I see that I can see how that would be an overwhelming task for a teacher, but it but. If you put it in perspective, in a classroom full of 23 kids, mm-hmm. let's let's say that probably out of those 23, 19 or 20 are going to be easy to get to know. Yes, yes. Because they're going to walk in the and door. And they're going to tell you. And yeah. they're going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and so really, you're going to learn that just through being with them day to day. And then you might have those four that's going to take a little bit extra. Yeah. You're going to have to reach out to the parents and say, you know, please let me know. Uh-huh. I, I see something's happening, you know, regularly. What's going on at home? Or do an interest inventory with the kid. Yeah. Find out what motivates them. Find out if they play soccer. And then talk to them about soccer. Yeah. Or pick a book about soccer. I mean, it all seems, I'm sure, you know, teachers out there do that no, all the time. it makes a huge difference because even Jackson, my son, he will talk about um, his his fourth grade teacher, you know her, um, really tall. Yes, um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. He always used to talk to him about sports. Yeah. And, like, she found something that he cared about. And she came to him when it was fantasy football time, <laughs> and she's like, I need your help, Jackson. And, like, oh. he he talks about her. He remembers that because of that. And I she, have, it made such an impact on him. I have no doubt. I, be, I believe that. There have been many times when I have had to seek out information about a topic uh-huh. just so that yes, I could connect with the kid. Yes. I'm like, please tell me what happened on the you know TV last night with that football team because <laughs> I need to know to talk to my little friend when he gets here the next day. So um, it's it, it. there's power behind that. There really is. Yeah. And, and I think you said something that I think was like a natural thing too. Like the, almost a teacher making an accommodation for themselves. If you look at it as 23 kids that you have to get to know, it's overwhelming. Right. But if you take a couple of kids at a time right. and you focus on them, right. then you've like basically done what we just said, cut the thing in half. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And and you will. I mean, I can guarantee I push into a kindergarten class this year and I could name five kids who <laughs> The minute they see me walk in the door, want to tell me everything they did the night before. I don't need to spend a lot of yeah. time getting to know them because I know what little Sally loves. She yeah. loves to, you know, go to gymnastics. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So I can then put my, you know, my my extra effort or energy into into getting to know those that I'm, you know, it doesn't come so easily for. Yeah. So. 
Oh, that was so helpful. And I could go on with you forever, for hours. And I know that you're hungry. And so <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> I appreciate it. Once I get started, it's hard for me to stop. I, yeah. I, I forget about a lot of these things. So it's no, fun. and it's so helpful it's because and I miss that so much from you. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for sticking around. It was a long one, but man, is she full of information. And I so appreciate it. I hope you do too. Until next time, sweet dreams and sleep tight. (laughs) 